0: Okay, so just as we get started today, uh, if you will look in your seat back, uh, you're going to find a card that looks uh, an awful lot uh, like this. I'm just going to encourage everyone to grab one of those uh, really quickly. Here's the deal. Uh, Last year, right about this time, uh, we came to you as a congregation and said, look, uh, would you just give us a sense? Would you let us know uh, what you're planning to give in 2012? And here's the deal. We promise we're not going to, you know, call you up if you don't do it or give you a hard time. We're just trying to figure out how. A plan uh, for the year and we ended up finishing 2012 in the black and a lot of that was just out of your help and just kind of letting us know what to forecast what to plan on we're coming back again and saying would you do that one more time and again no one's gonna call you no one's gonna harass you if if something changes and you don't it's just giving us a a barometer to kind of say hey what what is it and how can we plan uh, for 2013 now here's what I'm gonna ask you to do I'm gonna ask you to take the card you don't fill it out today I'm gonna you're gonna take it home and you're gonna pray over it You're gonna pray with your family you're gonna pray by yourself, whatever that works And 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 then you're gonna bring it back on december the 2nd And you're just gonna let us know this is this is what god has laid on my heart And this is what i'm planning to do in 2013 and as you pray here's what i'm gonna encourage you to do I want to ask you to pray and say god. What would it look like for me? to bump it up what would it look for me like for me maybe to do a little bit more and some of us in this room haven't uh, gotten to the tithe yet what would it mean to move another step closer what would it mean to uh, take some ground in in that area some of us in here already tithe and I'm going to be bold enough to ask and say what would it look like for you to give beyond the tithe for you to say to God look I not only am going to do what is required I'm going to give over and above to demonstrate my love in other words, I'm not going to do just the minimum you asked for. I'm going to give something beyond that to let you know how my heart feels about you as a love offering. So I'm, I'm just going to ask you to pray. Would you bring this back on December 2nd? Uh, let us know. And here's the other part would you begin to give online? I cannot tell you what a huge difference that makes uh, for when you're on vacation when you're not here for a week uh, for that income to be consistent so you can either set that up through your bank or you can go online to our website they'll set up automatic withdrawal for you but would you consider making your giving online okay so here we go uh, we're gonna jump into a series that we're calling fearless if you were here last week uh, You know that right now there is just, there is an amazing wind of God's presence just moving through this place uh, like crazy. It is absolutely irregular on Sunday mornings to end up having to use overflow in multiple services uh, because we just can't hold the crowds uh, inside this room. Uh, Our adult classrooms down that hallway over there have completely filled up. We've got one adult class uh, that is so committed to growing up and becoming mature that they're actually coming before church to hold their class so that they can have a room Our our young adult our young families newly married have moved out to a tent on our parking lot I mean god is just moving lives all over the place our student ministries has just got Momentum like crazy and taking off. It is cool to see what god is doing around here But we began to ask this question what would God do if we just made ourselves totally available to him? What, what would God do if we just said, look, here's, here's the deal, God. We don't care if it's inconvenient. We don't care if it involves a little bit of sacrifice. We, we, we just don't care. What would you do if we just made ourselves totally available to you? Uh, and, and so we began to think that way and pray that way. What, what would happen if a church for 12 months, just said, God, do anything that you want to do. And here's the deal, God. We will fearlessly follow you there. We, we will not make any excuses. We, we won't hold ourselves back. We won't hesitate. We will fearlessly follow you for the next 12 months and just let you do whatever uh, you want to do with us. And your leaders began to pray and say, God, what would that look like? What would you call us to if, if we made ourselves available to you like that? And if you were here last week, you know that we had this conversation about maturity, that as we prayed, we, just said, we thought God was saying to us, look, uh, you guys are taking some ground and you're moving, but you've got a long way to go. And you've got a whole lot of growing up to do and so we had this conversation so what would happen if for a year we just fearlessly said look i i will commit myself to growing as far as i possibly can God, you can teach me anything you want to teach me do anything you want to do for twelve months what would happen in a church if they fearlessly gave themselves maturity if you weren't here and you didn't see last uh, Sunday's message I'm gonna encourage you, you need to go watch it online because in many ways this conversation that we're having these few weeks is really uh, a vision series it's really saying what is it that we think God's gonna do in 2013 around here and if you miss it you're not going to get where we're going and what we're allowing God to do with us. So catch up on that. Today we're coming back and, and we're going to talk about the second thing that we really believe God laid on our hearts. Uh, and we felt God was saying to us, in 2013, if, if you were going to follow me without apology and without excuse, I would ask you to make me more famous. I'd ask you to make sure that your friends know about me. I'd I'd ask you to make sure that it's really, really hard to miss Jesus Christ if you live in Chandler or Mesa or Gilbert because you were just so fearlessly sharing your faith and putting me out there and making me famous to anybody that you came in contact with. And so we're just going to have this discussion today. What would it look like? What would it look like for every one of us just to simply say, I'm going to make Jesus a little more famous in my life this year. So I want to ask you to grab your Bibles and go with me to a passage that talks about why this conversation, why this idea of you and I stepping it up when it comes to letting people around us know about Jesus is crucial uh, for our lives and it's critical uh, that you and I do this in 2013 So it's second corinthians and if you're not real familiar if you go to the back of your bible and then work kind of to the left you're going to find second corinthians If your bible has third corinthians, you've got the wrong bible <laughs> Second corinthians chapter 5 uh, We're going to start together in uh, verse 17 Here's what it says second corinthians chapter 5 starting in verse 17. It says therefore If anyone is, and got to get the next phrase, in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Uh, The old is gone, the new has come. Now, here's why that phrase, in Christ, is so important. If you were to go and ask... Uh, a hundred of your friends. Hey, uh, how are you planning to go heaven? I know and you know what 90 of them would say. What, what, what would most people say about how they're getting to heaven? What would their answer be? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a good person. See, I, you know, I, I know I've done some things I shouldn't do, but overall, I'm a really, really good person. Matter of fact, I'm better than my neighbor is. And uh, you need to know that because that's what your neighbors are saying about you. They're saying, I'm better than that cornerstone person, so I know I'm going to heaven. If you were here two weeks ago, we had this discussion, this uh, good enough uh, discussion. And if you remember, what we said to each other was, you know, the average person in this world works off of a good enough system. And most people would admit and say, look, I know, I know I've done some things uh, that I shouldn't have done. I mean, I've had some ill-lived moments in my life and I I I know I know the Bible would call those ill-lived moments sin and and yeah I have uh, and and I can admit that now they probably wouldn't admit to all of them but they would admit that there's some in their lives and what they would say to you and me is so the plan the plan is simply this I'm I'm gonna try to do enough good things on the other side I'm gonna try to load up this side with enough good stuff that eventually, uh, it will balance out uh, the bad side. And if you were here two weeks ago, you remember that Jesus had a conversation with a really, really good guy. His, his name was Nicodemus. And he was following the plan. Matter of fact, Nicodemus uh, was remarkable. I mean, you talk about a guy who was piling up uh, on the good side. Uh, this guy was going to church. Every single Sunday, he was keeping the Sabbath. This guy had memorized books of the Bible. Uh, th- this, this guy tithed all the time. I mean, this guy had a pile of good. And in the midst of all of that good, uh, he realizes something's missing. Now this is critical, guys, because uh, we said, you take Mother Teresa, and then you take Nicodemus, and how good they were, and then there's you and me, and our neighbors, and how good we are. And, And I'm just telling you, Nicodemus is way, 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 way better than any of us and anyone you and I know. And yet in the midst of trying to pile up the good stuff, Nicodemus goes, man, something's still not right. Something is still missing in my life. And so he goes to Jesus and he goes, look, uh, there's a gap here. There's, there's something not, just not working for me here. And in the midst of that, Jesus said, here's why. Because good people... Don't go to heaven. And Nicodemus is blown away. He goes, well, what do you mean? I've spent my whole life on this. I've invested myself. I've I've been gooder than good uh, trying to do this. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Nicodemus, you're not understanding. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And and Nicodemus is shocked because Nicodemus thought when he came to Jesus, Jesus was just going to tell him another good thing to do. He thought Jesus was going to say, well, look, you just need to go to church another time. You need to memorize some more verses. You need to do something for the poor. And and Nicodemus thought God was just going to add another good to the good pile. And instead, Jesus says, no, no, Nicodemus, as good as you are, you need to know that good people don't, Go to heaven. You must be born again. And what Jesus was saying in the moment is, Look, when you finally figure this out, when you finally invite me into your life to be your Savior and forgive this, that change, that thing that happens is so dramatic. It is so drastic. Matter of fact, in this passage, you see what it said? It said, Look, all the old things are gone. Behold, everything becomes new. And Jesus said, look, Nicodemus, this is like being born again. So huge is the change. Here's why that's critical. Because you and I just said to each other that nine out of ten of our friends, of our neighbors, of our co-workers, are trying to get to heaven by being good enough. And good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Matter of fact, follow the passage. Go back with me to verse 18. Here's what it says. All of this is from God who, next word, you ready? Reconciled us. Reconciled is an accounting term it's that moment when you get to the end of the month and you look at your checkbook and then you look at your bank statement and you go Whoa, uh someone's doing their math wrong uh, it's that moment you pull it up on your computer and you go wow I mean what I think I have and what the bank says I have are two totally different things I better reconcile my reports I better figure out where the mistakes are and fix them okay it is reconciled here we go all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us gave you and me the ministry of reconciliation he gave you and me the ministry of helping people who still think they're getting to heaven by being good enough and help them look at the balance sheet and go look 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 this doesn't work Your books are completely out of balance. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against him. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation of getting the books back to write. Let me see if I can help. A couple of years ago, I'm I'm driving down Gilbert Road. And at the time, uh, there was construction. Uh, They were widening uh, the road, and so there were all sorts of placards and barriers up everywhere. Uh, We came to a, a light, and there was a lady driving in front of me, And uh, she had made a mistake and gotten kind of flustered. And instead of pulling either into the left turn lane that the barricades were marking out or in the lane that goes straight through, uh, she'd gotten confused and she went straight ahead. Uh, And then she gets to one of the barriers and she stops. So now, half of her car is hanging in the left-hand turn lane. Half of her car is hanging in the go-straight-ahead lane. And I had pulled in behind her. I was trying to turn left. In her confusion, she now begins to back up. So I'm laying on my horn. And she keeps backing up. And she's backing up. Bam! And she hits my car. I get out of my car. And in the love of Jesus, I say to her, didn't you hear me honking my horn? We pull over to the side of the road and we're we're waiting for the uh, police officer to come and fill out the report. Uh, Turns out she's a Christian. She goes to a a church and she asks me what I do for a living. (laughs) I said, didn't you hear me honking my horn? Uh, As we talked uh, there for a while, uh, she told me that she'd been out trying to uh, find a Bible for her niece. Uh, Her niece had been kind of running away from God uh, through most of her teenage years and was just now kind of figuring this out and was making a total decision to change her life and come back to Jesus. And so she was buying her a Bible. And I took a look at the Bible. It was horrible. It was one of those theeth and thoueth and ifeth and footheth and... (laughs) <laughs> Bibles. And uh, I said, look, th- this isn't going to work. I said, Let- you-, you need a good teen Bible uh, for your niece. And a matter of fact, I ended up coming down here to our bookstore. I bought her a teen Bible. I took it back to her. Uh, while we were talking, um, I said, look, I- I'm guessing, it's not a big accident. I'm guessing like maybe 600 bucks uh, to fix this. And uh, you're probably not going to want to put this on your insurance because chances are you got a $500 deductible. You're only going to get a hundred dollars, uh, probably from. Your interest, but it's going to be on your report. So here's what I, you ought to. I'll just get you the bill. I'll take it to this little moppa shop that I happen to know. I won't. I won't take it to a dealer. I'll. I'll just take it to this small shop, and uh, and then you can uh, pay for it. And it, it won't go on your record. And sure enough, I went to the. Shop. I was dead on. It was about six hundred bucks, and so I went back with her with a little estimate, and I gave it to her, and I said, you know, here it is. It, it's only six hundred, and uh, you can either give me the money. Or if that feels weird, you can pay the shop. I, I, I don't care, uh, but this way it won't go on your record. A month later, you want to guess what hadn't happened? Yeah. And so now I'm sitting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and two months go by and I'm calling the shop and going, has she brought anything by to you because she hasn't given anything to me? No. And so I'm trying to figure out how to respond in Christ-like love in that moment didn't you hear? And and, uh, in that moment, I started feeling like God was saying, look, Lynn, I'm just going to ask you to forgive her. I'm just going to ask you to let her off the hook. And and I I, got to be honest with you, I I was wrestling with it, and uh, uh, I'm thinking, man, uh, wow. And then it occurs to me, if I forgive her, then I have to pay the 600 bucks. I mean this isn't this isn't easy forgivism if I forgive her then I gotta pay to repair my own car I'm going didn't she hear the horn when I was honking you get that's exactly what God did for us that that as God was there saying look here's here's the I, I think I'm gonna forgive him I, uh, I think, I think I'm going to let him off the hook. That the moment he decided to do that meant he had to pay for it. And guys, this wasn't some cheesy $600 repair bill. See this repair bill? This repair bill had crowns of thorns. And, and this repair bill had a cat of nine tails that rips your flesh from your body. And, and this repair bill comes complete with nails. And this repair bill requires death in order to reconcile the books. And it's why Jesus is saying in this moment to Nicodemus, he's saying, look, Nicodemus, this isn't about selling Girl Scout cookies and this isn't about helping little old ladies across the street or giving a coat to an orphan. That's not what it is. Because, Nicodemus, good people don't go to heaven forgiven people do whose lives have been reconciled to God by a hefty repair bill and you get that it is up to you and me who know this story who understand that being good doesn't work and that being born again does it's up to us to share this to all of our friends who are trying to get there some other way. Matter of fact, go back to the passage. It's verse 20. And here's what it says. We, you and me, not the pastor, uh, not the televangelist on TBN, uh, not, not the weirdo buying the billboard saying, hey, the world's coming to an end. We, you and me, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. See, we've been sent to go deliver this message. We're representing him to a world who hasn't figured him out. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Ready? As though God were making his appeal through us. You get that when Jesus was here, this is what he was explaining to every single person who would listen, he's saying, "Look, look, look. Good doesn't work. You forgiven works. And you have got to have your life reconciled to God because you've been forgiven for your sin, not cuz you worked them off." And when Jesus leaves, do you realize he gives he gives the responsibility to tell that story to us? You and I are God's marketing plan. You you and I are the ones who have the sole responsibility to tell people who don't understand this about a God who forgives. Do you realize that means that the story of Jesus is only one generation away from extinction? All it takes is one generation that says, no, I'm no. That, that, people wouldn't understand. Uh, that's that's really inconvenient. I don't know how you go up the corporate ladder telling that story. It takes one generation going silent for this story to be lost. Why is it so hard? I mean, think it. why is this for you and me? I mean, our lives have been changed. I mean, we've been. I mean, we we've got this. Why is it so hard? For you and me to go bold, to tell other people who need to know. Why is that so difficult? You know what the answer is, right? It's fear. It's fear. See, we're, we're afraid that, that someone may laugh. We're afraid that, that a friend might say, hey, look, I mean, if you're really going that way and if that's really what you're doing, then no, we're not going to be friends anymore. We're afraid that our coworker would say to us, Wow, you you actually believe that stuff? I mean, I knew your wife was dragging you to church, but but you mean you really believe it? And in fear. You and I run silent. There's an interesting moment when the Titanic is sinking. Uh They know the boat's going down, and so they load up all the women and children in lifeboats. All the men stay on the Titanic. Uh, Once they let the lifeboats down, the lifeboats uh, paddle away from the boat so they won't get sucked under when the boat goes down. And so the women and the children do that. Uh, The Titanic sinks. And in that moment, uh, the women begin to realize, hey, uh, the lifeboats aren't full. Uh, There's still some room here. And they have to make a decision, do we go back for the men? But in that moment, you ready? Fear grips their hearts. Because they think to themselves, if we go back, there may be so many trying to get in the boat that it would actually capsize or sink the boat. And so they hesitate. They, they, in fear, don't go back until it's too late. Matter of fact, uh, reports tell us that by the time the lifeboats went back, almost every one of the men had frozen to death and died. Only six men were rescued. And there's a scene in the movie uh, Titanic that uh, plays uh, this out. It's where Molly Brown is in her lifeboat and she's pleading with him saying, guys, we, we got to go back. You can hear them crying. We've got to go back. And in fear, they wait too long. We got that scene. God's sake! You don't understand. If we go back, they'll swamp the boat. They'll pull us right down, I'm telling you. Knock it off. You're scaring me. Come on, girls. Grab an oar, let's go! Are you out of your mind? We're in the middle of the North Atlantic! Now do you people want to live or do you want to die? I don't understand a one of you. What's the matter with you? It's your men out there! There's plenty of room for more! And there'll be one less on this boat. If you done shut that all in your face! You, you realize that you and I live in a world of people treading water. Of good enough. And, and somewhere, guys, I'm just saying, somewhere you and I are going to have to push past our fear. See, You, you and I are going to have to go, look, I, I, I can't, I can't not say this out loud. I cannot not share this. And look, here, here's the deal. I'm just asking, what would it mean, what would it mean for you and I notch it up a notch. What what, what, would it mean for you and I just to be a little bit more bold, a a little bit more outspoken than we were last year? I'm not not asking you guys, I'm not asking you to go buy a family Bible and beat people over the head. I'm not asking you to get a sign and stand on the corner that says, turn or burn. I'm, I'm not even asking you to buy a Christian t-shirt. I'm not, I'm not asking. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm asking this. What would it look like for you just to turn it up a notch? For you just to say, look, I, I'm just going to be better in 2013 at making my Jesus famous. I, I'm just going to be better at letting people around me know, I believe this stuff. I'm going to push the lifeboat back. Better in 2013 than, than I did in 2012. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be better at this. I, I got some suggestions. Here's some things I'll just toss out. Hey, for some of you taking it up a notch, for some of us being better, it would simply be putting a bumper sticker on our car. And, and I mean, and guys, how much easier to get, you don't have to open your mouth, you, you don't, you know, you, you just, you just put a bumper sticker on your car. And, and here's the deal. Some of us some of us, the reason that would be taking it up a notch is because some of us are really, really good secret agent Christians. <laughs> and our cover has not been blown. And if you were just to put a bumper sticker on your car, I mean, your neighbors. People are going, "Whoa, go, oh, wow. You go to Cornerstone, yeah, yeah. And guys, all this takes, I mean, think about it. All this takes is for you making a commitment to stay within 10 miles of this posted speed limit. And, and not doing any more single finger salutes while you're driving. I, you do that and, and you could put a bumper sticker on your car. And, and we've got tables at every single uh, exit today and you could just grab one and before you even left the parking lot today, you could stick one on your car and it'd be taking it up a notch for some of us. Hey, for some of us, uh, taking it up a notch, you've never brought a friend to church. In all of your time, you, you've never brought a, a relative, you've never brought a friend, you've never brought them in this place so that they could have a chance to hear the story of Jesus. And, and taking it up a notch for you would just be in 2013, saying, look, I'm going to make sure that I bring someone to sit in this room and hear this story. For some of us, uh, taking it up a notch uh, would be just opening our mouths. You know the moment I'm talking about when you were having that conversation with your friend or with your uh, co-worker and, and it suddenly became religious. And, and in that moment, your tongue got really, really thick and your mouth dried up and you said, hey, how about them Lakers? <laughs> and you walked away afterwards and you said, wow, I, I should have I said something. And for you, taking it up a notch would just mean that in 2013, you'd say, if that moment comes again, God, if that conversation happens, this time I'll get up, I'll walk through that door of opportunity, I'll, I'll, I'll take that moment and I'll, I'll tell them about you. For some of us, uh, taking it up a notch, uh, we would be learning how to tell someone how to become a Christian. explaining to them what would it mean to actually ask Jesus Christ in our heart. There's a ton of us in here that that if someone came up to us and said, hey, I want to be a Christian, you'd say, just a minute, let me call someone. Because you'd have no idea how to explain the gospel. And and for some of us, uh, taking it up a notch would just be learning a couple verses, (laughs) learning what it would mean to lead someone in a prayer to ask Jesus Christ to come in their heart. And, And I'm just thinking, guys, you want to know this, if for no other reason, for the sake of your children. I mean, when your children come to you and say, Mom, Dad, I'm ready to be a Christian, wouldn't you want to be the one that leads them in a prayer and not have to call a stranger? Yes, sir. For some of us who are a little bit older, this is for your grandchildren. <laughs> wouldn't you want to be the one to lead your grandchildren into faith? And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to offer a class. And you can take the bottom of that, uh, that weekly and you can just put your name on it and then in the, in the big box on there, just say, I, w- I want to uh, have the class about leading others and we'll just do like an hour, hour and a half class. We'll teach you a couple verses and how to pray the prayer and you could help somebody. It'd be taking it up a notch for some of us. And then w- those are the individual things that I'm encouraging you to think about doing, but you and I have kind of a corporate opportunity right now to make Jesus more famous. Th- there's a church... That's uh, outside of our community that called us up just recently and said, Look, uh, we're really struggling and we're in this amazing community, and we were wondering if Cornerstone would adopt us. And and if you would take your sermons and put them on video, and then if you would uh, help us learn how to do things the way that you guys do things. and, and, And we have the opportunity to go to a completely different neighborhood where right now there's not a church like Cornerstone. And you and I have a chance to make him famous in a completely different area of town. And so we've been having that conversation with them and uh, we, we've been trying to figure out what would it mean to put a screen up there so they could watch the sermons live and what, is it, what does it mean for us to have the cameras here that could get it there and what does it mean to get some things in the children's rooms and the banners and, and we can do this for about $250,000. Which means if, if 250 of our families gave $1,000, we, we could do that in this service. This service could write that check. We could make Jesus famous in a totally new community that's too far to drive to get to here. And so there's some of us in this room that God's going to speak to your heart and say, that's what it means to take this up a notch next year. You're going to give to that. Some of us in this room, taking it up a notch (laughs) means doing the most basic thing to identify yourself with Christ. Some of us in this room, uh, you've never even really done that first step to say, hey, I am, I'm one of them, I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. And that, that very basic thing, that first thing that everybody, is called baptism. And, and baptism is simply a way of you and I saying, look, I don't care who sees me, I, I don't care who knows, I'm one of them. I believe this Jesus stuff with all my heart and I'm in Matter of fact, when you get baptized, it's actually just a public statement. It doesn't wash away your sins. It just states that you've trusted Jesus to wash away your sins. Because when you stand in the water, so this is you. Okay, this is you. When you stand in the water, what you're saying is, I believe that Jesus lived. When we place you under the water, you're saying, I believe that Jesus died and was buried. When we bring you up out of the water, you're saying, I believe that Jesus rose again. It's a confession of faith. It's the first thing every follower of Jesus is supposed to do. To make him famous. And for some of us, this would be taking it up a notch. You know, it's interesting in in the book of Acts there's an Ethiopian eunuch riding along in a chariot and Philip, the apostle, comes and starts witnessing to him. And uh, right there in the chariot, this guy goes, man, I believe. And as they're traveling along, there's uh, some water on the side and the, and the Ethiopian who just believed goes, what would keep me from being baptized? And Philip says, nothing. And dunks him on the deal. So I get, I get, I get, I get, I get, I get that, 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 you probably have a whole bunch of excuses today, a whole bunch of reasons why you, you can't get baptized today because here's the deal let me just tell you right now there's three baptistries out there in the bowl and I'm gonna invite you in just a minute to get up out of your seat go out there and get baptized take it up a notch but but uh, just to help you out I came up with some excuses for you on why you shouldn't okay so uh, here, here they are here's a couple excuses uh, I was baptized as a baby now here's the thing you need to know when your parents took you to the priest and and you got sprinkled as a baby they did that hoping that you would be a Christ follower that that you would believe this stuff And, and so the reality is is that now that you have chosen to place your faith in Jesus and then as you go to get baptized now as a believer you realize you're actually fulfilling their hopes This is the culmination of what they hoped for when they baptized you as an infant. Nothing could be more honoring than getting baptized. Some of you say, "Hey, Lynn, you know, I I would get baptized, uh, but I just had my hair done, and it was like eighty bucks." We had a lady ready for this. We had a lady first hour who got six hundred dollar hair extensions yesterday, and she got baptized. I'm thinking you're okay with your $80 haircut, okay? Uh, so, some of you say, well, whoa, whoa, Lynn, wait, 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 uh, I would get my car wet, and I got leather. That's okay. We've got shirts and shorts for you. So you can leave out of here, you can take off what you're wearing, you can put on our shirt, our shorts, get baptized, get back in your street clothes, drive home dry as a bone. Some of you are going, well, oh, well, I, I didn't bring a towel. I brought you a towel. Okay, uh, some of you in here are going, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. hey, wait, Lynn, Lynn, wait, wait! I, I don't have, any, I don't have enough time. I'm gonna let you out early. Okay, so you don't have an excuse. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Uh, The band's going to come back out here in just a moment. Uh, They're going to play. And and if you're in here going, Lynn, you know what? I I need to do this. I I need to take it up a notch in my life. And I need to get baptized today. The second they hit that first note, I'm going to ask you to head for the doors. And you're going to walk out onto the patio and you go to the sign that says, Start Here. And we're going to get you baptized. And you don't have to worry about being held under the water too long uh, because there's so many people in line. We're just... You will not drown today. Uh, this is express baptism, okay? It's your best chance. All right, so let's do this. Let's stand together. Uh, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to ask God uh, to move a whole bunch of us to put it up a notch. Hey, dear heavenly Father, we, uh, we simply come before you. And we thank you. We thank you that we've heard the story And we get it that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And God, help us to tell our friends. Help us to let our neighbors know and our co-workers hear. Help us not to run silent with our family. And God, would would you help us just to be bolder this year? Brighter lights for you. Would, would, would you help us make it really, really hard to miss God if you live in Chandler, or Mesa, or Gilbert, or Ahwatukee? Because there is a church here making Jesus famous. God, we're going to take it up a notch, which means every one of us is simply committing do this better than we did it last year. There's some in this room who who need to walk out those doors and do that very first thing of getting baptized and just saying, look, I don't care who knows. I believe this stuff. I believe it enough to get wet. God, may there be a church that fearlessly makes you famous in Jesus precious name